Luke chapter 4. That's multitasking. I don't have time to get into this this morning because I've been talking about it. But if you're interested in what just happened on that video, I want you to write down Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. Isaiah 14. I'm not, we're not going to look at this this morning. 12 to 15. And Ezekiel 28, 12 to 18. And what we've been talking about in this series is how the devil works. And I want for anybody that's visiting, anybody that has not been here, anybody that's catching the tail end of this series, I want you to understand that we are not glorifying Satan by talking about him. This is not to lift up Satan's power. This is not to give him credit. This is not to spend time on him. But how many know that if you don't know who the enemy is, the enemy will destroy you? And the Bible's very clear about that, that the, that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Amen. And he's not playing games. And uh, he is, has only one plan, and that plan is to destroy. His only plan is to take us out. His only plan is for us to not spend eternity in heaven. In these verses, I want you to understand this morning, this is real simple. I'm going to break it down elementary for you. God has great plans for us, loves us, and wants us to spend eternity in heaven. Satan hates us, has no plans for us, and he wants us to spend eternity in hell. Period. It's that simple. And there's always been the battle between God and Satan, good and evil. And going to all the questions of why, and going to all the questions of why God allowed it, and all these different things. But those are things you're going to have to ask the Lord when you get to heaven, because the answer is not in the book. Can you say amen? amen? Now, on this note, we're talking about the music. The reason that Satan fights so hard with music is, if you read those verses later in your time, you're going to see that the reason Satan fell was that he was the leader of worship in heaven. There was three great angels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. They were the three heads of the angels in heaven. And Lucifer, the Bible says, was the most beautiful of all of them. And he was the most powerful of all of them. He was, as you, you could almost imagine, right below God. He was in charge of all the worship. He, and how many know that that's the reason God created us? Was to worship God. So if he was in charge of worship, God's greatest gift and God's greatest desire, he was the highest man in heaven. And what I want you to do this morning, if you're, again, taking notes, is I want you to write two, word, two things down, two super keys that anybody that's been in this series would know. And, 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 and those that haven't, would want you to remember, they're very easy. Number one, pride versus humility. Pride versus humility. Okay? That is a, that is, pride is of the devil. Okay? Humility is of God. Pride is of the devil. Humility is of God. The second one is disobedience versus obedience. Okay? Obedience is of God. Disobedience is of the devil. And from day one, I don't have time to get into this this morning, but I, I want to make sure nobody is, is lost on this series. And, and, and we always have you know, different people at different times. The key that the devil has is that he always wanted to be equal with God. Can you imagine wanting to be equal with God? And he did. And if you go into Genesis, you'll see that the Bible says that he was very cunning. The word cunning means crafty. And it means that he was sly. It means that he was a manipulator. It means that what the devil has done ever since the Garden of Eden is he has taken the truth and he has twisted it. How many know today in the world there's a lot of truth with a twist? 
twist, a, a twist of just a twist of truth sometimes. There's either a lot of lies with a little bit of twist or tu- uh, truth, or there's truth with a little bit of a lie. Either way, it's not the truth. Okay? And so the devil has been a master uh, planner and a master deceiver all the way back. But the thing we forget is the devil didn't start in the Garden of Eden. He started in heaven. And these, these verses will tell you how he fell from heaven. Now he was cast out of heaven and lost his position. And if you've ever wondered where demons come from, one third of the angels followed Satan. And I asked you this question, and I asked myself this question. If, if the devil could be deceived, if the devil could fall as an angel, as a celestial being, how much more able are we to fall as human beings? If the devil, if, and before he became the devil, as Lucifer, as a celestial being, someone who had stood in the presence of God and was, was his his, his leader in heaven, if he could allow pride and disobedience to come in, how much more do we as human beings have to fight those two things? Amen. Pride and disobedience. You will always see that that's the key. And so he fell. One third of the angels followed him. And they today are fallen angels, or in other words, demons. And they are the ones that are doing his work. And the Bible says, as we're going to see in a second, that he's looking whom he can devour. He's watching and fighting. Now, I want you to look real quick in Luke 4. I cannot finish this without everybody realizing what we read in the beginning. I want you to understand why Satan has power. Have you ever wondered why does Satan have these powers? And why can he do what he can do? And is that really possible that he could have power over people? Is it really possible? Go to Luke 4. Is it really possible that he could give power to a person? And I say it again, we're not picking on Beyonce or Jay-Z or Madonna or any particular thing. But let me tell you something, church. It's not just those people. There's a list a mile long of people who admit they're part of the Illuminati. It's not even a secret thing anymore. It's out. And if you think it's just this generation, I'm 39 years old. When I was young, I remember backward masking from the records. This goes all the way back to when rock music was popular. They would take a, a, a record and they would do it backwards. It's called backward masking. And you heard there, obviously we have better technology today. You heard there where, the, where that song was saying, murder, 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 666, or sorry, 666, murder, 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 Jesus. That was pretty simple. But you go all these songs, and what they do is when they go to write a song, they write it a certain way, so then when it's played backwards, it will have a message. They, they don't do it forwards. They do it backwards. And they want these messages to be there. And, and that's what, how the devil works. He, he's a manipulator. We're all watching the Super Bowl show, and we're all mesmerized by this amazing show, and, and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, we see people in the crowd throwing up the Illuminati sign. I caught it just like that. I said, they're throwing up. I saw Beyonce do it, and I saw the people in the crowd do it. And most of them don't even know what they're throwing up. They're just following because we're followers. We were made to follow. We were made to follow God. And we were made to worship, but we weren't made to worship Satan. And this music wants to get us to a place where we think it's okay and it's subliminal and it's coming from behind. But man, I'm telling you what, the devil, I got to give him credit. He's doing a good job with the music industry. And he's taking people. You know, a lot of these people who have fallen are now a part of the Illuminati. A lot of them were raised in church. A lot of them. 
And I, and I mentioned this before in case somebody doesn't know it. One, one girl that many of you know today as somebody who's done some ridiculously sick songs now was raised in church. Although I said I did question her parents and their, their pastors. I, I, I personally am not crazy about what I've seen in their ministry. But they still were raised in church. And at 15 years old, she came out and said, I sold my soul to the devil, Katy Perry. Listen to some of the songs she's written since she gave her soul to the devil. One's called Wide Awake, where it talks about the fact that she feels like she cannot come back and she's lost. And she has sold her soul. And if you do that backward masking, there's a whole other message there. Uh, she, she's the one uh, that sings all kinds. I'm not even going to get into the songs she sings. Okay? But she has traded it in. And what they do is they trade in their talent and the, for power and for money and for fame. And do you think God didn't know what he was doing when he wrote the Bible? And it said, what does it profit a man to, cha- to, to, to gain the whole world and lose their soul? All around the world, people, and and you know what? You might not have signed the Illuminati or someone might not have gone that far. But when we disobey God, we are walking in the spirit of Lucifer. And what I really want us to get out of this, besides exposing Satan and the way he acts and works, is I want us to realize that when we are disobedient, we're not just making a mistake in sinning, which we all do, but I'm talking about where we just continually do it over and over again. We're following Satan, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to have anything to do with Satan. I don't want to be like Satan. I want to be like God. Do I have any other, anybody else in here that wants to? I know you do because you're here. Amen. How many want to be like God this morning? And so the Bible tells us all the time that we need to be not part of this world, not conform to this world, that we need to get away from those things. And you need to recognize this morning that the devil is working overtime right now because he knows his time is short. As soon as Jesus comes back and raptures the church, the tribulation starts, and he knows once that happens, his time is short. He's running extra hard, and he's not resting. And listen, church, I'm telling you, we don't understand it, we don't recognize it. The devil's not playing games. We think he's playing games. We think, and he, and he doesn't come at us with the two horns. He doesn't come at us with the red cape. He comes in sly. You realize he didn't use force on Adam and Eve. He didn't come as that lion and go, rah, eat the apple. He said, no. He said, did y'all really pay attention to what God said? God said, and he used the word of God. Satan knows the word of God better than we do. He's been in heaven a long time. And I'm going to show you in a second, he's still going there. He still has access. So look at Luke 4 quickly, and I'll move on to finish this morning. Jesus is being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And as he's being tempted, I'm only going to talk. We know that first he comes and says, hey, if you're hungry, turn this stone into bread. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then I want you to see what happens next. This is where I really want you to see uh, so you understand why the devil has power. Verse 5, then the devil, chapter 4, verse 5 of Luke, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And the devil said, all this authority I will give you and their glory. And what does it say? For this has been delivered to me. And I give it. Are you reading? To who? Jesus. 
Who can Satan give power to? Whoever he wishes. That's in the book of Luke. And church, if the devil has the audacity to tempt Jesus Christ, how do you not think that he's not going to come after us? If he's not afraid to go to the, to the Savior, and he knew he was the Savior. He's up there listening. He knows what he's doing. If he knew that, I, I'm not, I mean, sometimes people, you know, they attack the weaker ones. He went for the king. But he's not going to mess with me because, you know, why would he not mess with us? Why would he not attack us if he's gone to God and now he's gone to Jesus Christ, the son? How's he not going to come after the church? He will. And he does. And we have to recognize how he works so that he does not deceive us and does not get us to a place where we're defeated when we should be victorious. Because let me tell you the good news. At the end of the book, Revelation says that the serpent's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit forever and ever and ever. So he's just here for a time. But the bottom line is we're going to win. But we got to do our part. Go quickly to the book of Job. This will just be the last little bit and I'll take it from there from Wednesday night. The book of Job. Let me know when you've gotten there. The book of Job is right before Psalms. Sometimes we say, man, the devil's attacking me. I must have done something wrong. I'm going to show you that that's not the case. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this morning that most of the time when you're doing something right is mostly when the devil's going to attack you. Because church, uh, the devil will probably be okay with just you losing, although he's not, but he'll kind of let it go. He'll make a deal, all right? You're saved. I'll let you be saved. But the devil's job today for us as Christians, guess what? Is to come and to rub our backs. And to keep, is your seat comfortable? Uh, you got water? Are you, are you good? And he'll try to keep us nice and comfortable. And as long as we're not making an impact on anybody, as long as we're not sharing our faith with anybody, as long as we're not impacting the kingdom of darkness, as long as we're not multiplying He'll leave us alone, and not only will he leave us alone, he'll come and take care of us. Make sure we're nice and comfortable. But, this is where I hope we're all at. If a believer says, I want to do something for God. I'm so thankful that Jesus saved me. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to tell people about the power of Jesus. I'm going to tell everybody, I want to tell everybody how good he's been to me. He saved me while I was yet a sinner. He came and rescued me from where I was going. And if we're that kind of person, guess what? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers us of them all. Amen. You're going to have some problems if you're doing something right. Make the devil mad. I want to make the devil mad. Why? Because I want to do something for God. I'm not, I'm not saying that he could not overcome me in my own power. But I know who I am this morning in Jesus Christ. And we're going to finish with that next week on Easter Sunday morning when I talk about the power of the cross. Oh, the devil hates the cross. He doesn't mind the name church. But he hates the cross. He doesn't mind the name God, but he hates Jesus. He doesn't mind all the programs in the world, but he hates the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. 
for our forgiveness and for our sins. Amen? Book of Job. Quickly, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was a Job, and that man was blameless and upright. Blameless and upright. And one who feared God and shunned evil. You want to be an overcomer this morning? Do that. Fear the Lord, hate evil. I've been saying this and I've got to say it again, church. We don't hate evil enough. I, I, I'm just making sure you, I'm speaking English, right? You got that, right? We don't hate evil enough. We like to hang around with evil a little bit. We like to drink a little bit of poison. We need to hate evil. The overcoming church, the overcoming Christian doesn't want to have anything to do with anything that has the label of de- the devil on it. Nothing. The Bible says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Verse 5. Sorry, verse 6. Now there was a day, I'm going to read this quickly and go to chapter 2, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan, and I also came among them, and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Now where's Satan? In heaven. And Satan says, from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it, seeking whom he can devour is what that means. And look what God does, church. Look what God says to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? He brings Job to the devil's attention and says, look, why don't you go mess with him? Sounds weird, don't it? Why? Maybe the next time you're in a trial and a struggle and being tempted and going through some stuff, maybe you should realize that God's proud of you and he believes in you and he knows that you can handle it. And he has told the devil, go test my servant. Because what we don't understand about God that we've got to understand is God created us to give glory to him. And when we're not giving glory to him, he's not happy. And when we go through struggles and trials, it gives us an opportunity to prove who God is and prove that he's alive and prove that he's real and prove that he loves us. If there's never a problem, we don't need God. But oh, we run to God when there's a problem. God loves a believer who in the problems and in the good doesn't vary. You don't know if someone's going through struggles or if they've got it going on because they're strong and they're committed and they're straightforward and they realize I've learned to love the Lord in much. I've learned to love the Lord in little. I serve God when I'm healthy. I serve God when I'm sick. I serve God when I got money in the bank. I serve God when I'm broke. So am I talking to anybody in here? I serve God when everything's good. I serve God when everything's bad. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. I will never walk away from God. God's never going to walk away from me. Amen. And so you can understand that if that's coming after you, look up and say, Lord, thank you that you trust me enough to give glory to your name in this situation. And the quicker you realize you're being tested for his glory, the quicker the, t- the test will be over. Because you're not going to see Job going, oh, man. Read the book of Job for 30-something chapters. Friends come to him and bother him. You go on to read here. Satan says, uh, so let me finish that verse. He says, there's, there's none like him on the earth. I can't speak for you, but I want God to talk about me. Like that. I want God to talk about me. Have you considered him? He fears me. He loves me. 
There's no one like him on the earth. Someone might say, hey, he's talking about me like that too. Amen? But how many want God to talk about you like that? How many want Daddy to be proud of you? Amen? See, if you get this understanding of exposing Satan, you realize the reason I hate Satan is because he hates my God. And I love my God. I love my Savior. I love my Lord. And I don't like when people disrespect my God. And Satan's the biggest disrespecter of all time. He wasn't happy with his position. And pride came in and he fell. And now he's trying to make everybody else prideful and disobedient. He says, so Satan says, yeah, but he's serving you because he's got everything. See, Job was rich. Filthy rich, as we would say today. So many cattle and sheep and things he couldn't count. Lots of land. He was like Bonanza. Never seen Bonanza. He, was on, he had it all. He had it going on. He had beautiful family, beautiful kids. Satan says he, does, he fears you because he's got everything. See, what does the devil do? He's the accuser. He's a liar. He has the boldness to talk to God like that. And, and God said, he says, if it, but if I take something from him, if you let me touch him, if you let me steal some things from him, he'll curse you to your face. That's what the devil's telling God right now. If you just let me mess with them a little bit, you watch. They'll be gone. They're going to run. They're going to go back to where they came from. They're going to, he's just he's saying all this stuff. That's why the Bible's here. We're learning how he is. God says, go ahead, but you, can't, you cannot t- touch his physical body. So Satan comes in. Go to chapter 2 real quick. I'm getting you through this. Satan comes in, chapter 1, destroys all of his house, destroys all of his goods, all his livestock, and kills his kids. So I said this Wednesday night, next time you think you're having a bad day, go read Job chapter 1. And you're going to realize you don't have it so bad. We've got it bad. We have things that go on. But church, nobody ever has been through what Job has been through. You may have lost something. You may have lost a loved one. You may have lost. you, You did not lose it all in one day. He lost it all. And he comes back. And now chapter 2. Oh, look what he says in verse, you're right there. Look what he says in 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I'm going back. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Chapter 2, the second assault. He comes and says the same stuff. God brags on him again. And and Satan says in verse 4, yeah, skin for skin. But a man will give it all for his life. Stretch your hand out now and touch his bone and flesh and he'll surely curse you to your face. And the Lord says to Satan, behold in your hand, but spare his life. Then the Bible says going on there in the word that boils come upon him all over his body. He gets sick. He almost dies. I mean, he's as sick as you can get. Then his wife comes and says, Job, you're going to keep serving this guy? You're going to keep serving God? Look at everything he's done to us. And she says, curse him. You got to be careful who you listen to. Even your family. Amen? See, we got to, we got to have a personal relationship with God. Do you understand that this morning? You cannot ride the curt tails. Curt, curt, I, I can't speak. 
thank you, coattails or curtains or anything else of a family member to heaven. Amen? You cannot ride the beliefs of your husband or wife. You cannot believe, ride the faith of your family. You've got to have a personal revelation of who Jesus Christ is for you. If you don't have that, I've got news for you. And I'm not trying to be mean. You're not going to make it. You have to have a personal revelation of who Jesus was. Because if you don't, you'd have done what his wife said. And he said, you know what, honey? You're right. Who closer to Job than his wife? He's lost his family. His kids are dead. I think he might be in a weak place. Then he's sick. I've never had a boil, but I can imagine. I got a really busted up finger right here. And it's just the tip of my finger and it hurts. I can't imagine having it all over my body and scraping him with, with, pot, with tile to break him off. Then the wife comes. Honey, I'm a little miserable right now. Please don't bother me. Curse him. It would have been easy for him to say, you know what, you're right. My kids are dead, I'm sick, and now you're the only one I got left. I'm going to curse him. But he didn't. He didn't. But one thing I want to show you this morning, and you can go on to read later all the book of Job. The good news is it gets everything back in the, in the end. Amen. He who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen. Amen. He who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen. You, 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 it, it isn't how you start. It's how you finish. And so in this book, we see that he makes it and everything. But one thing I want to show you is you go to Ephesians chapter 5 to end up this morning. I want to show you something. Job had something, didn't have something we have this morning. And it's a powerful thing. When Satan came to Job and did what he did, I began to read this and I thought, man, you could think, man, Job, what, what an awesome guy. And you can be all admirable about him and think about him and say, man, what a, what a mighty man of God. I wish I'd have had his faith. I wish I'd have had... But there were some weapons that he did not have. Because when Satan came at him, he had no defense. He had, he had no way of defending himself. He had no way of resisting the devil. And today, we have the power and the authority to not only resist Satan... But defeat him in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so in the book of Ephesians 5, I'm going to read this real quick before we go to 6. I read this on Wednesday, but it's very important. Verse, verses 3 and 4 and 5 talk about sin and things that we, God, we shouldn't be doing and the, the things that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't be partakers with them. I've got to say this again this morning to the Sunday morning crowd. You have got to cut some ties in your life. Now, I'm only talking to one of two people here this morning. One who's just going to just kind of try to keep being religious all your life, or the second one that wants to be an overcomer. Because you're not saved this morning because you're sitting in a church building. Come on. It's, it, it, I don't save you. You're not saved because you're here. You're not saved because you've got a Bible in your hand. You're not saved because you're dressed nice. You're not saved for any of those reasons. 
And we got to be careful that as a believer, we understand what we believe. And God is always saying, don't hang around the wrong crowd. You can talk to people, you can be cordial to people, you can, you can, all that. But when you begin to hang out with people and be partakers, it means you're agreeing with them. And when you laugh at a joke someone says, or you go to a place with somebody, or you're in a crowd with somebody, and you're associated with them, society will tell you guilty by association. There's people sitting in prison today all over the world that didn't actually do the act, but they were with the wrong people, and they're rotting in prison today because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they didn't learn to cut things off. He says, don't be partakers with them. Verse 7, for once you were in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. And what does he say? Walk as children of light. We've got to walk different today than we did before we knew Jesus. Can't walk the same way. The Bible says we'd be known by our what? Fruits. Amen? And look, this is what we've been doing in this series right here. Look at the next verse. Sorry, verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. Expose them. Bring them to light. And he says, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. I'm trying to show you in this series who the devil is, how he works, and that he's not messing around. And if you aren't in the word and you aren't praying and you aren't strong, he is going to affect your life. And you've got to understand how he works. So you can be victorious. Because that is God's plan for you. Amen? There, there, you, know, you know what our problem is? is I'm going to close this up. Is sometimes we think, that will never happen to me. That's our problem. You know what that is besides ignorance? Pride. That will never happen to me. I'll never make that mistake. I had a, a guy call me a couple weeks ago who's a good friend who told me about a good friend of his who's an assistant pastor at a church. And I had actually talked to him on the phone for a few minutes, so I only know him on the phone. Of a large church, successful church, assistant pastor. The same friend called me a couple weeks ago and said, I got bad news. I said, what? He said, I need you to pray for my friend. Remember the guy I introduced you on the phone? I said, yeah. He said, he, he's acting crazy. I said, what, what happened? He said, he has gone to his dad and told him, who he's, an, he's the, the, the pastor or, or a pastor, and he's told him he's the Messiah. Wow. Dead serious. He's been hearing voices, and, the, and, and he's the Messiah. And he's dead serious. Wow. Oh, that'll never, something <laughs> happened. Then he goes, well, I talked to his brother, and he says, my brother, he says his brother feels like he's to blame. He says last year he got him into smoking weed. These are assistant pastors. Yeah. You might be hearing some voices if you're reading the word and smoking weed. You might. Somewhere along the way, that man got deceived. Amen? That sounds crazy. Can you imagine if I came to you next week and said, hey, I'm dead serious. 
Take me serious. I'm the Messiah. And I believed it. This guy believes it. I'm telling you, the devil's not playing games. Just found out last week, some people we know very well in Costa Rica, that's all I got to say, good Christians, woman having an affair on her husband, pregnant, Christians, believers. We, 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 we got to realize, church, this isn't a game. I'm not trying to make you scared. I'm just trying to get you to understand. You better stay on your knees. The Bible says the days are evil. This was a secular thing. And they're basically saying, wake up. How many times we got to see something for it to be a coincidence? The world, listen church, the world is shouting, wake up. The world. And what does the world know about God? Nothing. But they know something's weird. I said last week that there's a church in Chicago, one of many, I'm sure, that has a first gentleman, not a first lady, on their website. Homosexuality has not only been accepted today in society, now it's accepted in the pulpit. I'm telling you, church, the world is going, something's wrong here. Something ain't right. Something's going on. The devil is fighting as much as he can. Go to chapter 6 and I'm going to end. He's fighting hard. But God has weapons. Actually, can you hold Ephesians 6 and go to 2 Corinthians real quick? Hold Ephesians. I left out another one that's very important to close this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to end with these two verses. I, I honestly could do this series a lot longer. I might come back to it later. You there? For though we walk, verse 3, in the flesh, touch yourself and realize you are flesh this morning. We do not war according to the flesh. Isn't it interesting that the Bible uses war terms? War is pretty serious. But unfortunately, today it seems like the church world thinks this is just a social club. We don't understand how serious this is. And that's really how the, how the devil wants it. He wants the church to be a social club. A social club's not affecting the kingdom of darkness. I, do you understand what I'm saying? Because a, a church that's making an impact, a church should be making an impact on its city. A church should be known for their works. A church should, should be doing something against the, the principalities of darkness. Amen? Amen? It, should be, it should be known. It, it, the Bible says that, 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 that uh, these, these men came to Paul and that these men were hearing about what was going on and they tried to have the power of God but didn't know who it was. And the Spirit said, I know who Paul is and I know who Jesus is, but who are you? You don't want the spirits to not know who you are. I want the spirits to know who I am this morning. And I want them to know who I am in Jesus Christ. Amen. And it says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 
but they are mighty. You've got mighty weapons this morning. Amen? You've got mighty weapons to have a good family. You've got mighty weapons to to live a good life. You've got mighty weapons to resist the enemy, but they're not carnal. They're not flesh. He says they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what are the strongholds? Sometimes we go, what, what is of the devil? Let me just show you real quick in the next verse. This is what those strongholds are. Casting down arguments. You mean the argument I have with my wife? No. Arguments from the devil that are trying to tell you something different than what the Word of God says. Casting down the arguments. He's been doing it not only since the book of Genesis. He's been doing it since the beginning of time when he fell. And it says casting those down. And listen, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every, sorry, every, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And look at this. And being ready to punish all disobedience. When your obedience is fulfilled. Paul said, I beat myself into subjection. I beat my body to say no. We know when the temptation comes to sin, you've got to say no. Oh, I just was so weak, Pastor. I just fight. Fight the temptation. Fight the flesh. Feed the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And the Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And the lusts are strong. Because not only is the demon standing in front of you, sorry, the devil, the demons are as well. And they're spirits of lust. They're spirits of pride. They're spirits of anger. They're spirits of disobedience. There's all kinds of spirits. And as they come to your mind, you need to say, I come against those because they come against the knowledge of God. And I cast those thoughts out of my life. I'm not going to allow them to have place in me. I'm going to punish disobedience. I'm going to punish that thing. Let's finish in Ephesians 6. I didn't even even get into my notes. Time goes way too fast. Ephesians 6. Look what it says. We've heard this before. Oh, there's a big difference between hearing something and understanding it. There's a big difference between hearing something and putting it into practice. Put on the full armor of God. Put on. What does put on mean? That means that you have to put it on. If this is the armor this morning... I don't have it on. It's God's armor for my life. But I can't just say, well, God gave me the armor. I have to put it on. Daily. Amen? How many have heard of the armor of God before? We've heard of it. But guess what? If we're not putting it on, then we're going to lose the battle. He says, put on the full armor of God. And it it says what the full armor is. And it says, why? So that you can stand against the wiles or schemes or strategies or lies or arguments of who? The devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against what? Principalities. Powers. Against the rulers of darkness of what? This age. 
The Bible says Satan is the Lord of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Have you noticed this morning, as you've watched any kind of TV, seen any kind of announcements, the tons of movies that are coming out that demonic's not even the word? Have you seen them? It is unreal. Unreal. Gruesome. Sick. Demonic stuff. And the problem is, church, is we think it's funny. I'm not saying, I'm just saying as a society, we think it's, you know why I can't stand horror movies? Because I've seen that kind of stuff. It's real. A lot of churches today don't want to go near the, the warfare part. Because, you know, I'm just going to leave the devil alone over there and he'll leave me alone. We better know he's going to attack you whether you want him to attack you or not. You can't make a deal with him. So you've got to put on the armor. And those are in the next verses, and I'm not going to get into this morning. You read them. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. Put that on every day. You have, and you find out what those things, and that's a whole other message. That's way too much to get into. And you find out how to walk in those things. And you find out how to do spiritual battle for somebody. And you find out how to defeat the enemy. But the bottom line is, church, this morning, we got to understand that the enemy is being exposed and the enemy is defeated and he is under the blood of Jesus Christ and he only has as much power as you allow him to have in your life. The Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee. Don't entertain him. Don't mess around with him. Resist him. And not in your own power, but understand who you are in God and say, in the name of Jesus. And plead the blood over your life. Because it's real, church. It's real. But so is God. And the Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Bow your heads this morning, please. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, there's a lot here, a lot to learn. Not something that can be done in a service. It can't even be done in a series, Lord. But we're here this morning hungry. And you see our hearts. You see the desires we have this morning to live for you. You see the desires we have to make a difference. And God, your word says that if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it'll quicken our mortal bodies. And Lord, this morning, I know that there's a lot of needs in this place. I know there's a lot of hurts in this place. I know there's a lot of questions in this place. I know there's a lot of things that couldn't be answered, God, in one message or one sermon or fixed in one moment, God, because we have to learn who you are. But I know this morning, God, that your word says very clearly that you love this world so much that you gave your son to come down and take our place. The book of Romans says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you're in this place this morning and even the thought of some of the things we've talked about even scares you, it, it might, you might think, man, that's scary to think that the devil's that mean and he, he's out to destroy and what do I do? I want you to know that Jesus Christ has the power 
that he wants to give you this morning because he's already defeated the enemy. And he only has power over you if you allow him to. And you've got to learn to not give power to him. That's why he said, resist the devil and he'll flee. There's many spirits that you'll have to learn through the word how to bind and who they are and what they are and how they work. But Jesus said in his word in Matthew 28, 18, I give all authority in heaven and earth to you. It's been given to me. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. He says, I have won the victory. I have overcome the world. How many in this place this morning listening to my voice? I'm not here to win you to a church. I'm here to win you to Jesus. I just want you to believe in Jesus. I want you to be saved this morning. I don't know if this is the last message you'll ever hear. I don't know what tomorrow brings for your life or even mine. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised. The Bible says life is short. One day it's here and the next day it's gone. It's like a vapor. But I want you to know this morning, and I want you to know this without a doubt in your mind, Jesus loves you. He loves you more than a human being could ever love you. But Satan hates you more than a human being could ever hate you. And there's a battle right now for your soul. There's a battle for your spirit. There's a battle for your eternity going on right now. And I want you to know that you don't have to walk out of this place defeated. I want you to know this morning that if you'll put your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I'm telling you 20 years ago, he absolutely changed my life. He turned me around. And I know this morning that I am headed for heaven because of the faith I have in Jesus Christ. But I also understand how the devil works. And I'm not going to let the devil come in and destroy not only my call or my family, but my, my, my walk with God. I'm going to expose him this morning. And I'm going to come against the devil with the power of God. Don't try to fight him on your own. Don't try to figure it out by yourself. You might realize this morning how much damage you've done by trying to do it yourself. We're powerless. We're powerless. I'll never fall like that. I'll never think like that. I'll never do that. That's what everybody says. Yet they fall. How many in this place this morning, right now, as the Bible says, the Spirit of God is knocking on the heart of your life this morning, would say, Pastor, I feel the Spirit talking to me. I, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to heaven this morning. I'm not sure I'm saved this morning. But I want to know without a doubt that I'm saved. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray for you right now, all over this place. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I want to know this God they're talking about. You might be here and you don't have any background whatsoever, but you can't resist or deny the Spirit of God that's touching your heart right now. Maybe you're here and you were, you were raised in church. You, your parents talked to you about God. You know what's right, but you've been walking in disobedience. You've been walking in pride. And today God is saying, I've still got a plan for you. Somebody here this morning needs to hear that. He says, I've still got a plan for you. I've still got a plan for you. Somebody's listening to that right now. That was for somebody specific. I still have a plan for you. I feel that so strong. 
Somebody in here this morning has been thinking, I've messed up too bad. I've made too many mistakes. But there's a call on your life and God is, you've known God. You've felt his presence. You've known his goodness. And this morning that devil's been lying to you. God says, child, come home. Come back. My arms are open wide to you right now. Just come back. And he says in his word, yesterday's gone. 